Let's begin. <clears throat> so yesterday we, we saw up to verse 9. And we talked about how Aram and Ephraim were coming together to strike uh, Judah. And their meeting place was the, the, the upper, upper pool. And God has no intentions of destroying southern Judah. No matter how detailed and specific their, their schemes may be, the Lord will not allow them to overcome uh, Judah. Just believe. But Ahaz wasn't able to believe in the will of God. And God wants to pour His faith upon Ahaz through the, the prophecies of Isaiah. Whether it be God the Father, the Son, or the Spirit. The most important ministry that they do within our spirit is they continue to blow their faith into us. When we are faithless, of course we are, are tormented by it. But even furthermore, God and the Spirit is, is tormented when we are faithless. And that's, where, that's why when you have this relationship with the uh, Trinity, you will understand this dynamic. And in your relationship with the Lord, if you have a lot of things mixed within your faith, then the Holy Spirit will groan. And that's when Galatians 5.5 5 is the Holy Spirit continues to blow this grand, beautiful, and great faith into us. But when we are not in that state of, of faith, God, the, the Holy Spirit is sad. Like I said yesterday, living by faith is not a small matter. Living, not living by faith is not a small matter. And we learned yesterday that the only way of life for the righteous is to live by faith. If the Bible said anything else, then I would have tried that, 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 that way of life. But nowhere in the Bible is there, is there recorded any other uh, method of life for the righteous. And that's why we must only live by faith. But if you live in Babylon, rather than living by faith, you will be living according to your own thoughts. And living by your own thoughts means you're living by your experiences and your habits. And that's why when you live by the Spirit, your spirit will continue to die. When we look at this in the spiritual perspective, people who, who live in the spiritual world already know how critical and, and crucial this is. But, but people in, of the world, they respect those who are intelligent and logical. In the spiritual world, uh, their spirits are fading away. When, you're, when you live by your own thoughts, you're walking on the path of destruction because your spirit becomes bound. And we've spoken about this in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 3. Paul divides the, the church of Corinth into two groups. One, one group is living in Pnuma, the spirit. 
and the other group lives by soma or pushke. So either they're living by their mind or they're living by their flesh, because sarks means the flesh, and pushke means your your psyche, your thoughts. So if you if you're living by your thoughts, and if you're living uh, if you're living by your thoughts, it means you're living by your flesh. It's the same thing. And it is very foolish of you to live by your f- thoughts or your flesh. It means you are unable to receive the grace of the crucifixion. And so they are both heading on the path of destruction. That's why they are regarded as the same. When God designed uh, humans, He formed us out of the mud, and He breathed His breath of life into us. And Paul uses that word "breath of life" in Second Corinthians. He calls it living pushke. It means living psyche, living soul. And he brought us into brought us into life through that that event. So, if people do not receive the Lord, if man does not receive. Uh, This breath of life, then they cannot help but live by their thoughts, live by their flesh, and that's why humans have to continue to deny themselves so that they will not fall into the trap of living by the flesh or their thoughts. And because the Holy Spirit is within us, we have to live according to the Holy Spirit and become spiritual beings. If we do not live by His Spirit, then we will become people who live by the flesh or the thought or by our thoughts. This is the amazing wisdom that he he has used to create us in the first place. So every person needs to learn how uh, needs to needs to live by the <coughs> by the spirit and not by the flesh. And the breath of life, or the living breath that we talk about in in Zoe Ministry, we're not talking about that breath of life, but we're talking about the wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit. God made us so that we have to be reliant on Him. Adam had to live whilst relying on God. That was his design, and likewise, we need to live by uh, relying on the Holy Spirit at all times. On the same train of thought, faith is the same. We cannot live whilst not holding on to the faith of God. And you have to realize how critical it, 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 beco- it, it becomes for you to not live by faith. Do not think that this is simply just a choice to to live by faith or not. No, if you reject faith and live by your own thoughts, then you're walking on the path of death. You will be under the rule of death again. Only when you're living in faith and living in the Spirit can you can you be saved. Can you be under the reign of life? Do not take lightly this matter. If you maintain in your flesh, then you're under the reign of death. You're under the control of death, and you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. You cannot respond to God. You will be numb to the Holy Spirit. You don't know how to please the Holy Spirit. You don't know what direction to face. You become numb 
in your spiritual senses. So do not take lightly uh, your faithlessness. If you don't have faith, then you're walking on the path of destruction. When you go to uh, the border between the U.S. and Canada, there's the Niagara Falls. And the, the, the scene of the falls is better. The view of the falls is better on the side of Canada. So in order to go to, to, to see the waterfall, you have to ride on the, the boat. But in the middle, you will see a, a sign that says you cannot go beyond this point. And even though the water is calm, if you go beyond that point, suddenly uh, the water is going to turn very... the current is going to be very strong, and then you will be swept into the waterfall. That's what, it, that's what it's like living without faith. At first, it seems fine. It seems calm and peaceful. But as you go further and further, at some point, you will, you will, you will be faced with your destruction. And you will fall over the waterfall and meet your end. So, do not take lightly your, faith, your faithlessness. You will be under the reign of death. And when you continue to live under this death, you will realize that your spirit is dying. And even though we have entered this amazing new season, you don't have any flutter within your heart when you, when you, when you think about the coming of Jesus. You don't have any yearning to become a holy bride and to wear that resurrected body. When we talk about death, we... Because the, the power of your flesh becomes, too strong, uh, becomes stronger within you, you have no hope and desire for that spiritual body anymore. And through Isaiah, we're going to continue to see these prophecies. But most of the prophets talk about the first coming and the second coming uh, together. They tie it together. And there are certain reasons for this. But people who have met the Lord already, they would desire to meet Him again through that second coming. That is the spiritual order. It is a package. They are, they are tied together. In Joel, one of the verses actually speak about the first coming and the second coming together in one sentence. And of course, in the limited uh, perspective of the Old Testament, people of the Old Testament, they only see the, the first coming and the second com coming together because they have not seen the first coming yet. But in the spiritual principle as well, the first coming and the second coming are, are tied together. They're a package. So if you have met the Lord that has come, then you can only desire for the Lord that is to come in the future. And right now we're living in a time period where His second coming is not that far off anymore. And if your desire is fading away, then there's something critically wrong, uh, seriously wrong with your, with your faith. It means you're under the reign of death. One of the reasons why the spirit of religion is so dangerous is because if you're filled with this spirit, then you have no desire or interest in your resurrection or the second coming of Jesus. You're just interested in, 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 in the daily habits that you go through or the rituals that you do in church. Pastors especially, if you don't have this flutter anymore, then, you gotta, then you're probably under the influence of the spirit of religion. So check to see if you have this flutter within your heart. 
if you don't have a desire for that 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 uh, amount of glory, then you have to evaluate your faith. Now let's uh, look into verse 10. So God continues, he, he, he wants to pour his faith upon Ahaz. And again in verse 10 he says, I'm going to give you a sign to arouse faith in you. And this is how much the Lord has to endure through. And He's waiting patiently for us to return to Him. If one, if one spirit is to, to be destroyed, then it means God has already given that spirit enough chances, enough time for them to return to Him already. They're not suddenly uh, destroyed. It means that spirit has already been given enough chances, enough time for them to return. And if and <clears throat> and because they cannot go further into wickedness, that's why the Lord is going to take away their spirit and retrieve them. God gives us second chances, third chances. He gives us chance, enough chances for us to return to Him before He He says that's enough and and, and retrieves our spirits. And that's why it says in the Bible that the Lord endures through uh, us. He has to, he has to suffer to, through this time until we are saved. And then finally, he, he will allow the event of the Passover to happen. And that event happens, uh, that event happens after a period of long suffering for the Lord. And let's say we are put into a furnace. If we are put into, if we stay in the furnace too long, then we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be incinerated. So, because we cannot stay in the furnace too long, the Lord is gonna take us out of the furnace after a certain period of a period of time. But first of all, He waits for us. He's patient with us, and that is what He's doing with Ahaz right now. He's still blowing his faith into this king. Now let's look at verse ten. If we live with the Lord, we cannot doubt His, his uh, faith. And we cannot help but to acknowledge that all the things and all the decisions He has made is good. So we cannot complain in any matter. And we, can, we cannot become discouraged because He hasn't done something for us. He's always right. And he's always good. And he's always right. Amen? You have to believe this, okay? If you did something wrong, then you gotta check yourself. Do not blame somebody else. Do not try to blame your situation. Or don't even blame the Lord. The Lord is always giving us the best. Because he's the, the highest of God's. So He doesn't give us anything without much thought. He only gives us the best. Verse 10, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. 
So the Lord continues to speak to His king, saying, Just believe in me. So you have to make sure that the issues of your life do not come from, from your situation or any other factors. If you don't have money, then, then lacking that money itself is not the problem. It's, not, it's because you are faithless that you are facing those issues and problems. Let's say somebody is going through a difficulty. It's not because of that person. It's because you are not faithful that you're having this issue. So you have to resolve your issues with the Lord first. Do not blame your circumstances or blame that person or blame, blame your conditions. There's no reason for, for you to struggle and wrestle with those other things. In one word, if a person is struggling with money, if you, even if you give that person money, that, the problem will not be resolved. Before Sogar came to our church, was, she was living in China, of course. But if her spirit wasn't unraveled uh, in this church, then she wouldn't have had such a beautiful marriage with her husband. And that is not an issue with her husband. And it's a, it is a matter of, it's, a, it's an issue with her relationship with God. And of course, I'm not talking about her in the present. Right now, she doesn't have any issues with her husband or with God. But if she didn't resolve these issues, then she would not have had such a happy marriage with her husband. So while looking at her, I can always make sure that the Lord is living, that He exists. I'm very thankful for her. And even though she's so... Even though she's skinny right now, she was skinny, more skinny before. I think she's around 10 kilograms more heavier than before. But you got to confirm of all this today. All the problems in your life come from your unresolved issues with the Lord. It is because you were not completely faithful with God that you're struggling with these issues. Whether that be money, with, with relationships, with your circumstances, with your situation, or anything. None of these things can become an issue for you if you are faithful. Believe me, okay? I have this. I have studied this much. Look at my family background. None of these also none of this can become beneficial to you as well. If you don't have faith. Without faith, none of these can become good or bad. So we gotta make sure of this on this in the beginning of this conference. And the reason why many of you struggle with guilt and a sense of inferiority. Because you don't think about the perspective of God, you only think about the opinion of others and the and, and the and the voices of the enemy. You listen to the voices saying you don't have money. Look at your background. Look at your specul uh, specifications. You're always living like this. How can you call your call yourself the child of God? The enemy makes us think about too many other things other than uh, our, our relationship with God. Furthermore, the enemy even might say, you're not even as good looking as Pastor Kim. 
No, none of you. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak very frankly to you. That the, the, the suffering that you're going through right now is beneficial for you. Okay. Is being accumulated to the point where it's gonna be released, and you will be completely liberated. And actually ask the Lord, Lord, is it his time to leave this earth? Are you going to retrieve him? And in Korean, uh, an idiom for death is to lay down the spoon. So if a person ceases, ceases to eat, then that means their time is nearing. And Pastor Kim Myung-woo uh, recently had trouble eating food. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, is it his time? He's not even 60 yet. And his wife is still very young and very active. Lord, is it his time to leave? But the Lord said, no, this suffering is good for him. He is, I'm going to surface a lot of things that were hidden within him. Immorality. And it's a good thing that these spirits are surfacing within him. And if you continue to neglect the spirits within you whilst continuing to engage in the ministries, then this is what's going to happen. At some point, these things are going to uh, uh, break out. Whether it be pastors or ministers, when, you're, when the time of your ministry becomes longer the, the best thing is for your prayer time to also expand and become longer if not if your, if your time of prayer is, is less than your time of ministry then it's, it's a very then you open a, a channel for the enemy to come and take control of you so do not be mistaken into thinking that because you engage in, in, in your ministry for a long time you don't have to pray as much anymore Look at me. Am I powerless? Am I tied to my ministry all the time? No, I'm renewed every day. And I'm, I'm strengthened by the Lord. The reason why I put you in the front line is because you, I want you to say amen, amen loudly, okay? So senior citizens, please respond with amen. Where was I? So it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you're going through this because you're resolving the issues that you have neglected. And after this period, you're going to become younger. And, you know, last year your, your son got married, so you got a daughter-in-law. You got to take care of that daughter, don't you? Let's move on. We're still talking about verse 10. So again, the Lord encourages us and He continues to pour His faith upon us. So there's nothing in, in our lives that we can regard as a problem. If there's a problem, then you got to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the, what is the issue? How can I resolve this? 
And that's why we say living with the Lord is so easy and simple. Because all your problems can be resolved through your relationship with God. And so you don't have to be concerned yourselves with anything else. Let's move on to verse 11. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. The Lord says, ask for a sign to, to Ahaz. And this is actually quite tremendous. Because God works according to His spiritual order. But Ahaz had no faith. And of course, this is not just the issue with Ahaz as an individual. This, this issue lies with Israel and the Davidic family line as well. But that's why the Lord is, is, is trying to pour His faith upon Ahaz. But no matter what, Ahaz has gone against the spiritual order of God. And that's why through Isaiah, uh, God is speaking to Ahaz saying, you have to ask for a sign from me. And for Gideon, it's the same. Gideon asked for a sign from the Lord because he needed faith. God said not to test him. He didn't say don't ask for a sign. So there's a difference. And it's not the best for you to ask for a sign first. But in this case, God is saying, ask, for, ask a sign from me. And so it is very rightful for Ahaz to, to seek a sign from the Lord. In all areas, Ahaz needs to receive the faith of the Lord because he's facing these issues with, with Ephraim and the other nations that are trying to attack him. And all that. But again, this is not a personal issue. But your faith can save your whole family. And to some, their faith can even save their churches. I am a leader of, of, of this generation, right? And my faith is, is directly connected to the remnant around the world. And my faith alone is also can, can, can imp, have a, a huge impact in this nation as well. So you got to realize that your faith is connected to this grand scale. So it's not a simple matter for you to be faithless. And there are many brothers and sisters that came from China. Your faith can, can control the faith of China. When, is it the, when will the most important time for you, to, for you come? It, that time comes after World War III for our, our brothers and sisters in China. Until then, China is going to uh, continue to lose power. And what God is doing in this season is 
is after World War III, there's going to come a time where the spiritual tide of China is going to change, and God is going to work through the, the remnant in China. And right now, in this time, God is preparing the remnant of China through uh, these people. And it's the same for Malaysia. God poured a, a huge amount of grace upon uh, Malaysia during the previous conference. When our brothers and sisters in Malaysia are able to remain in faith, they will be able to change the fate of Malaysia. And pretty soon, martyrs, martyrs are going to come uh, rise from Malaysia. Right now, the Christians of Malaysia cannot do anything because of the, the religious oppression of the Muslims. Right now, they can only gather in small numbers. They have no influence in, in, in the government, no influence in the, in the politicians. But when the Malaysia, Malaysian Zoe Ministry churches start to engage in spiritual warfare for their country, they will be able to break through the influence of the Muslims and actually create an influence into, uh, onto their country. So faith is not tied to just uh, personal affairs. At the very least, your faith uh, impacts your families, your family lines. Many of you have family members that are in a very serious state of evil. And some of you, because the spiritual bindings of your family is so strong, men in your family cannot live beyond the age of 60. They always die to some sort of disease or accident. And so you got to engage in spiritual warfare against these, these spiritual bindings so that your family can escape that, that curse or that spiritual binding. Let's say uh, there's this terminal disease that is passed down genetically in your family. That also comes from these spiritual bindings. Or let's say there are shamans and, and witches in your families. Then also you have to engage in spiritual warfare against those forces. The salvation of your family depends on your faith. Amen? So faith is not tied to your personal affairs. Okay? At the very least, it is connected to the rest of your families and your relatives. Furthermore, it's going to be connected and, and, and directly influences your nations. So God says to ask for a sign. And what sign does He say to ask? It means if He seeks for, 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 the, land, for the land to disappear, then God will give that as a sign to Ahaz. If we, des if we request this, this from God, then He will respond to that request. And that is the power of your prayer. When you pray, God will move according to your prayers. When we say, Lord, we should remove the sky, then God will remove the sky if, it's, if it is necessary. And that is how tremendous and powerful our prayer is. Amen? Do you believe in this? If you say, Lord, would you give me the whole universe, then He's going to give you the universe. For 35 years, no matter what I prayed to God, right now, 
since I know the grand scale and the will of the Lord, I don't pray with uh, carelessly. But before, when I when I first met the Lord, I I prayed without any care. I said, Lord, would you give me millions of dollars so that I can give a million dollars as tithe? And it's a good thing that God did not give me that amount of money because if I if He did, then I would pro I would probably not have been able to stand here in this day. But <clears throat> and back then, I thought that He didn't respond to my prayers because I, I prayed so carelessly. But God said, "I'm gonna give. I'm gonna do it." He didn't say, "I'm gonna give that money to you." He said, "I'm gonna do it." So think about your prayers. Your prayer is not just a single spirit praying, but it is an official request made by a royal being. For example, I am a king, and she is just a farmer from the countryside. Let's say she came to me and said, "Would you give me a couple?" Uh, a, A piece of land. What would I? What would I? What would I? Will I say to her? I was. If I did not like her, I would say off with her head. But let's say she is a, a princess, and this princess came to me and said, requested something from me. She said, "Father, would you would you do this to resolve this issue?" Then will I say off with her head so easily? No, because she also has royal authority. I have to respond to that request because it came from a royal being. It's the same for you, for for us all. You are all children of God, and people who don't believe in their identity cannot believe in this fact. But we are royal beings of God since we have been called into His family. So whenever you come before the Lord with your prayers, He doesn't easily dismiss your prayers. So that's why when Joshua requested the sun to stop, the sun stopped for him. Likewise, whenever whatever you ask from God, He will respond to you. It's just that it may take some time for Him to respond. Sometimes it takes a long time. But those prayer requests that would. That, that that would take millions of years to be responded. You don't have to pray for actually, because you're never gonna see it uh, come true in your in your lifetime. But never once did God say, "Don't request this and don't request for that. Only request for these things." He said, "It will be the it will be done according to your faith." People who are sensitive in their relationship with the Lord. They always think about uh, the will of the Lord in the first place. But to those who don't even pray, God will not say pray according to your will. What does God say? God will say to those people, start actually start praying first, okay? He doesn't speak to those who doesn't who don't even pray, saying pray according to what you want, pray according according to your will. When he says pr pray 
for what you want. It means he means those who already have a prayer life with him and have a close relationship with him and know of the will of God and and, and put that as the first priority. It's important for you to to know of your dignity when you come to pray before God. And the more you engage in prayer, the more sensitive you will become uh, with your relationship with the Lord. Then you will no longer seek for for personal things, but rather you will pray according to the will and the the plan of God. You will understand what it means to pray according to the will of the Lord. So first of all, you got to ask for the Lord and knock on His door. God will not be be angry with you or be displeased with you. He's actually displeased when you don't pray to Him, when you don't ask for Him, when you don't go and visit Him. If you believe in Him, if you believe in who you are, and you believe that He's your Father, then you, you have to believe for a fact that whatever you request, He will give to you. So, He says to Ahaz, uh, ask for a sign. But He doesn't. So, let's go on. Look at verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not, I will not put the Lord to the test. So even though God Himself says, ask a sign for me, Ahaz is not willing to obey. If God asked me in this way, then I would be asking for all the signs. Think about it. Let's say like Ahaz, God came to me and said, ask for whatever you want as a sign. Think about what you're going to do. For many people, if they do not live in faith, then even if at the Lord said, allows you to ask for a sign, they will not be able to do so. In Mark 14, it, it talks about uh, Bartholomew. Bartholomew comes, comes before the Lord. And the Lord asks him, what should I do for you? And he says, I want to see. Because he was blind, of course he wants to see. But it's not a simple matter. In the perspective of Bartholomew, it would be more practical practical for him to ask for a bar of gold. But the reason why he was able to say, Lord, I want to see, I want my eyes to be opened, is because Bartholomew maintained the state of faith. I don't have to preach about this again. But because he maintained the state of faith, when Jesus asked, what do you desire? He was able to say, Lord, I desire to see. But if you're unable to maintain that state of faithfulness, then even if God comes to ask you what do you desire, you won't be able to answer Him with what you want or with with what you truly desire. For example, if the Lord came to me today and asked this question, then I have a lot of things that I would ask from Him. I I can spend a billion won in this one day. It's because I have maintained the state of faith with the Lord. I can ask for such things. Then the Lord will say, it will be done according to your faith. And that is the most important proclamation to hear as a person of faith. You have to be able to hear the Lord saying to you, it will be done according to your faith. When I first met the Lord, and for 13 years in my prayer life, never once did the Lord say, it will be done according to your faith. But as soon as the training period was over, after 13 years, 
The Lord spoke to me many times, numerous times, saying it will be done according to your faith. Look, it will be done according to your faith. As soon as that training period was over, he started to speak that proclamation to me. So when Jesus said it will be done according to your faith to, to Bartholomew, it's because Bartholomew, ever since he has heard the gospel, he has maintained his faith and he has lived a life of faith up until his encounter with Jesus. So even though God spoke to Ahaz saying he asked for a sign, Ahaz wasn't able to do it because he was faithless. And I think many of you are, are the same as him. The Lord said, ask for whatever you want. So look at the story of Aladdin. When Aladdin rubbed on the lamp, a, a genie came out. And in order to find this lamp, uh, Aladdin goes into that cave. And when, when, when he went into that cave, that cave was filled with other treasures and jewels. And in the middle of it, there was, a, there was that uh, lamp. And I think uh, a, a, a Big Mac was probably in there as well. And a double whopper was also probably there next to that lamp. But let's say a foolish man went to that cave to seek this lamp. Then I would have gone and taken that lamp. But that foolish man would go and gather the, 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 the gold or the jewels in there. Or they would go to McDonald's and Burger King that is, that is also built within that cave. That is the, the, the action of those who are faithless. Even though God gave him uh, a chance to ask for anything, he, wouldn't, he cannot utilize that chance. When we look at the kingdom of God, when we see His glory, we will be amazed by, all that, all, by, by that tremendous beauty. But when you're faithless, you will be blinded to those things. So even if God says, ask for whatever you want, you won't know what to ask for. The only thing that you would ask for is, Lord, would you give me money so that, so that I can pay rent next month? No matter how much, God is, how much God is trying to pour His prosperity and abundance upon you, you won't be able to receive it because you're thinking about your scale. You're thinking about your personal affairs. You only think about what to wear, what to drink, and what to eat. So look back upon yourselves. Are you like a man of faith or are you like Ahaz? People like Ahaz, you cannot mock Ahaz. You cannot rebuke him because you're living just like him. The way I see it, it's the same. You're still concerned about what to eat, what to drink, and what to wear, what to wear every day. And you're still praying about your, your children living a successful life. You cannot escape your own world. To them, the world, the God, God is not the creator, but teraphim. It is just a family God, a family idol. Many of you are living in this way. You're treating the Lord, you're treating Yahweh as if He's just uh, your family idols. And so this is what happens to you when you do not live with faith. Do not look down upon Ahaz because if you do not live with faith, then this is going to become, uh, this is what you're going to become. Okay? I hope none of you are like him and none of you are agreeing with me. 
when I speak about this in Central America, the people cry and, and lament. They say, Pastor, I have treated uh, Yahweh as if he is teraphim. And they would beat on their chest crying in repentance. Because through the message, they realize what they have been doing. They realize they have, serving the, they have been serving the Lord through religion and made him into teraphim. Many of you, even though you feel, <laughs> even though you feel a little bit accused and feel a little bit guilty uh, listening to the sermon, you don't fully acknowledge that you have treated the Lord as if He was teraphim. Amen. Let's move on. So you are not seeking. And if you look at the words of Ahaz, he seems humble when he says he is not willing to put the Lord to test. But this actually comes from faithlessness. He's not able to see the grand scale of God. So that's why living in faith is so important. And God gave this, this big chance, a chance for Ahaz to receive faith, saying, ask for a sign, and I will show you that sign so that you can be faithful. And in many times in our lives, God gives us these chances but many, many times we lose that chance. But our God is a God of equality. You have to know that the chances that He has given to those who are recording the Bible, He also gives that same chances and the same time to us as well. So people who cannot maintain faith, they, they, they blow that chance. So, children of God, He always gives them these chances to, to receive faith. But people who do not maintain in faith cannot even see that God has given them a chance at the moment. For a while, in the beginning of my faith, the, the, the rules that I followed was is to not uh, ignore the, the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. If God has told me to, to offer to the church, then I will sell everything that I have to sell, sell uh, to, to offer this money to, to God. If God told me to fast, then I would fast on that day. I made it my habit to not ignore the, the inspirations of the Lord. But, but many of you, you say, Lord, thank you so much for not giving me those inspirations. But, That means you're, you're shutting yourself away off from, from being able to experience the great blessings of God. So if God inspires you to do something, then you got to follow, you got to obey. If God tells you to stop, you got to stop. If He tells you to go, then you got to go. If you do this and make it your habit, then you will become sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to the will of the Lord. And it will become easier for you to maintain faith. Verse 13, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans. So now he uses uh, the term house of David. So God is officially starting to work upon Judah. He's saying this is not a, just a personal issue between you and me, but it's an issue related to your family. Because God has prophesied that all the kings are going to come from this Davidic line.
So this is why God cannot let go of Ahaz, because he cannot let go of this house, the house of David. David became a king from from humble background. How was this possible? It was possible because of his faith. By faith, he was made the king of Israel, even though he was a farmer, a shepherd. And through his faith, the Lord blessed him and blessed his family line, blessed his descendants to become the kings of Israel. But all of the kings that came after him are, were kings of faithlessness. They did not believe in the great promises of God. As soon as you, do, as soon as you believe in God, you have been made into a royal being of God. And furthermore, you have become His sanctuary. You have become His temple. And you have become a new covenant being through the great uh, message of God. You have become a new covenant being that was never that never existed before that point. And He has poured His great and tremendous dignity upon us. And in the perspective of of the promise. As soon as you become his child, he has also poured all the promises and the prophecies written in the Bible into you. It is all applied to you from then on. All the the divine promises of God are are given to us, and so. He, We also become divine beings with Him, and His divine power, His divine authority, are all applied to us. Because through His promise, He has made us to be like that. And so, it is very natural for all these promises to be applied, to be substantialized within us. And think about the great promises that God has given to Eve, and through His disobedience, He has lost all those blessings and promises uh, in His time of reign. So it is important for you to be able to receive, to believe in your dignity, believe in your identity, and and also substantialize, fulfill all the promises that God has given to you. So look back upon your lives. Can you see the Lord fulfilling His promises within your lives? I'm not talking about something that happened in the past. Ahaz should have been fulfilling the promises that God has given to David, and that is that is not a difficult thing to do. All he had to do was stand firm in faith. If he stood firm in faith, then all the promises given to David would have been applied and fulfilled in the time of Ahaz as well. For us, it is the same. Through the act of Jesus, He has fulfilled and resolved all the issues for us. And so, if you live by faith, then you see the fulfillment of all the promises and all the prophecies that was given that was given to Jesus. So look back upon your lives. Can you see the Lord fulfilling His promises? This is what it means to. It is one of the aspects of being glorified. Before my wife met me, she uh, she she wrote journals every day. She, 
And there was once where she wrote down all the requirements that she wanted in her, uh, her future partner. But one of her friends said one day, You found a man that, that fit all of your requirements. God listened to all of your requirements. Oh, but, but one thing, and that is, my wife wanted to meet an ugly man. But God, of course, gave her a handsome man such as me. That is the only requirement that was not met. Everything else was met. Because she wanted a man that had nothing to boast of, uh, like Jesus. Now that I've aged a little bit, I think my good looks are also uh, fading away. But listen carefully, okay? I firmly believe that all the promises in the Bible apply to me. And now I'm nearing the end of my life. And I'm actually seeing God fulfilling the prophecies and the promises uh, in the Bible in my life. When God has given us, when Jesus gave us His dignity, it means all the promises of the Bible have been given to us as well. It is applied to us. And He Himself is there to, to fulfill His prophecies, His promises. So you cannot live your lives whilst not enjoying the inspirations and the fulfillment that, you've, that you feel when you see these promises being applied, being fulfilled in your lives. Because he, so you cannot die whilst not enjoying these blessings, not enjoying these promises. Okay, you have to see them being fulfilled in your lifetime. This should have been the attitude of Ahaz, but of course he did not choose to respond by faith. And because of the faithlessness of, of, and the disobedience of Ahaz, the, the, the house of David had to, had to lose their power during the time of Zechariah. And that's the price that, 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 that this house had to pay for their faithlessness. So I have to continue to live by faith and maintain the life of faith so that I can pass on this faith unto, unto my, my, my children and then they have to pass, on, pass it on to their children so that our, our house, our family will be glorified. It's not enough to try the patience of humans. So humans here I think is referring to Isaiah. So if if the king is not is not following is not responding by faith, the man of faith such as Isaiah will have to endure through that suffering and be patient with him as well. No, we have to maintain in faith so that we can please the Lord. Let's move on to verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. So, since Ahaz was faithless and he wasn't willing to ask for a sign, the Lord Himself is going to pour His sign upon him, regardless of his faith. And there are meanings to this. 
But this is the, the act of love of God to protect the house of David. God wanted to keep His promise with David. And that's why He is pro- doing this for Ahaz. And furthermore, Like we said before, this, this, this issue is not just a personal affair for Ahaz, but it's connected to the rest of humanity. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, and will call him Emmanuel. So this is the prophecy of the Messiah, which is fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. So even though if Ahaz, if Ahaz asked for the sky to disappear, then God would have listened to his, his prayers. But what is the reason why having a virgin give birth to uh, the Son of God, that this is much more impractical than, than making the, the sky disappear? When God said, the only, the only sign that I can give you is the sign of Jonah, that means uh, that is also a prophecy that, that refers to the Messiah, which is who is going to come, die, and be resurrected. And it's because Jesus had to wear the flesh and come upon this earth for us. Even though He's wearing the flesh, His identity is the Son of God. He had to be birthed from a virgin because He's the Son of God. He cannot be conceived by a man and a woman. And that's why even though he was a man, he lived whilst holding on to the identity as the Son of God. And because he was a man, in order to keep himself from, from sinning, he had to fully rely on the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, this prophecy is much more impractical than asking for the sky or for the land to disappear. It is a, much, it is a sign that is much more impossible in our, in, in, in our, in our standards. And the event of the cross itself is the biggest sign uh, that is recorded in in the history of humanity. To humanity who was dying, the Lord breathed His life into them through that crucifixion. And through that event, our, our relationship with God was restored. We were reconciled with God through His sacrifice. And the royal authority and the authority of the priest that was given to Adam in the first place has been restored through the act of Jesus. Furthermore, we have all been given the identity as as the son and the daughter of God for free through the sacrifice of Jesus. He himself is the heir, but we have also been been heirs with him. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Is this something that you can believe logically? This is much more greater than asking for the sky or for the land to disappear. But why did he do this? He did it for us. He did it for humanity, which had which which nothing to boast of. 
So there's no greater sign than this. When you're able to believe and receive this sign, it is impossible for you to live without faith in your, in your lives. Because there's not going to be a greater sign than this. When you're able to believe in, in this sign, you're able to live every day with inspirations and with, with wonder. Because every day you meditate upon the great sacrifice and the act of Jesus. Through his sacrifice, he, spring, he was able to sprinkle his blood upon us. And we have been, been, we have been purified, we have been made righteous. So there's no greater gift, no greater grace than Jesus Christ himself. So his blood and his message and the Holy Spirit has to continue to churn and operate within you every day. And that's why Jesus, it says Jesus has given us a sick stigma. Do not forget this. So since you, you hold on to, you have the sign of Jesus, you have a stigma, stigma, you cannot live any other life than the life of the cross. So check yourselves to see whether or not you have the stigma of Jesus. If you have the stigma, it means you have received salvation from Jesus. And if you have received salvation, it means you have the stigma of Christ. Okay? But that's why this sign is much more greater than the sign of removing the sky, removing the earth. But why did God give this sign to Ahaz? And 700 years after the time of Ahaz is when the virgin gives birth, gives birth to the Messiah. But why is God speaking of a sign that's going to come 700 years later even though he's faithless right now? It's because this is the only sign that will allow people to, to become faithful. There's no other, other sign that is, that is going to allow us to, to have faith other than the sign of Jesus. So even the people of the Old Testament need to be able, thank you, need to be able to, 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 to live with faith whilst uh, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah in the future. So Jesus Christ and His crucifixion is the only sign that humanity needs and can receive. In, he in, heaven and earth, in heaven and earth, there's no other name that can bring salvation upon humanity. And the, all, the, all the spirits that are remaining in purgatory right now, they're awaiting the name of Jesus. All the people that came before Jesus and the, all the people that came after Jesus, the only way of life, the only way to salvation for them is, is, to, is to hold on to the name of Jesus. Hold on to the sign of Jesus. And the, and the ultimate salvation of Israel is also going to come through the Messiah. Why is the Messiah that's going to come 500 years later their only way of salvation? Because the, the small amount of victories that they received before the time of Jesus is only momentary. Only after receiving the Messiah can they receive their ultimate victory and be saved. So we are all 
uh, believers, we have all gone through the cross with Jesus. And it means the, the prophecy of the Messiah has been fulfilled within us. So do we need any other sign other than the, the cross? No, we don't require any signs. If you, once you receive the crucifixion in faith, then we can, we always know that we, we can always know that God is living in us and that He cares for us and that we are saved in Him. So that's why we must hold on to nothing else but the cross of Jesus. And every day you have to believe that the, the Messiah, Emmanuel, is, li is within you, that you abide in Him and, you, and He abides in you. Amen. So do not wander around trying to find anything else. In the Old Testament, the reason why the Messiah was prophesied is because that is the ultimate sign that they have to look forward to. For us, we have to hold on to Jesus Christ who has already come and, 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 and gone through the cross for us. So what is the crucifixion? The event of the, cru of the crucifixion goes beyond, uh, transcends time and space. And we are able to encounter that Jesus who, 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 who was nailed on the cross for us because that event transcends time and space. Let's continue. So in the perspective of Ahaz, he is also feeling uncomfort. Because to him, this seems very abstract that a virgin, how can a virgin give birth to a son? And, and furthermore, that son will be called uh, the Messiah, the Emmanuel. But we know that this is the greatest sign that God has given to humanity. That He Himself, God Himself, came to be one of us. And His name is going to be called Jesus. And He took upon the burden of His people unto Himself. So that's why He had to become a, a man. But because His identity is still the Son of God, he had to come as Emmanuel. And even though he could utilize his, his, his divine power, he never once relied on his divine power, but fully relied on the Holy Spirit to do his works and miracles. And he was able to keep himself from sinning for us. So if you're unable to receive this by faith, then you won't understand, it, it, because it's very illogical for a God, for a God, a divine being, to do this for us. But once you're able to receive it by faith, you realize that he, done, he has done this out of love and that it is very natural for him that he had to do this for us. And now you have to maintain in, in your dynamic relationship with the Trinity and realize that whatever you ask for me, he will respond. And never once does he ignore you and neglect you. That is how precious of a being you are in his eyes. So aren't you filled with inspirations listening to this? You have to sense, uh, uh, sense this inspiration. So God has been translating next to me for 13 years now. It's been a long time, hasn't it? How long has it been, Sergio? 
11 years. Did you ask about the uh, the person in Central America? Was that person healed? Anyways, let's move on. Verse 15. He will be eating curds and, uh, and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. So this is the grand scale of the prophets of God. The prophecy of verse 14 goes 700 years into the future. But in verse 15, the, 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 the time period of the prophecy goes back into the present time, time frame of Ahaz. He's talking about around when the child becomes 12-ish, when he's eating curds and honey. So soon Aram and Ephraim are going to be destroyed. So the, prop, the, the situation of BC 734 right now is, is, is the time right before when Assyria is going to go and attack. Palestine but these two kings are, are cooperating to trying to overcome Assyria but the prophets are prophesying saying that will not happen but rather they will be destroyed and what is the sign of their, de their defeat when this child has matured enough it's when he will be eating curds and honey It's probably around two or three years. So these prophecies were fulfilled in BC 734 and 738. I've spoken about this in detail uh, during, during the sermon before uh, of Isaiah. So who is this child? So the prophecy was prof the, the, Isaiah was prophesying 700 years into the future, and then finally, uh, and then suddenly he came back to uh, the contemporary time period. And he's saying in two, in two or three years, when the child is, is has grown enough to eat honey and cur uh, curds, that's when that's when the the two kings will will die. Actually, one, two, three. Can you hear me? So again, Isaiah in verse 14 prophesies 700 years into the future. And in verse 15, he comes back to the present time saying that in two or three years, the two kings are going to die and perish. Their nations are going to perish. So this is the grand scale of the prophets of God. They're able to jump between times. And that can only be possible when you're very sensitive to the, to the Lord. 
And we gotta be be jealous of this spiritual state, a spiritual state that is so light that wherever the Lord leads you, you will be able to go into that time frame and and, and see those prophecies. Because God Himself is not limited by time and space. And because our spirits come from Him, He is able to take our spirit to whatever time or whatever space that He He wishes. So that's why your spirit has to be free, has to be liberated and light, so that it's not bound to anything. So God can move freely, move you freely. And the Holy Spirit will allow you to transcend time and space and bring you anywhere. Not only does He transcend space, He's able to transcend time. The reason why Isaiah was able to prophesy about the coming of the Messiah is because his spirit was brought to the 700 years into the future in Jerusalem and he was able to see Jesus being nailed upon the cross. And this power and this experience has to happen during your prayer lives as well. Let's say I'm praying for Swaziland right now. The enemy, there's a difference between your, uh, the prayer where your spirit is actually going over there to pray for that land or you're just praying from Korea. But when I'm usually praying for other nations, I transcend time and space to go into uh, those countries I'm praying for. And I'm able to judge their spiritual atmosphere and their, their environment and pray accordingly. And, so, and, and that's not a special gift given to just me. You must all be able to do this in your time of prayer. So when you're praying for the churches of Central America, you got to go over there in your spirit and see what those churches are going through and pray for them. And just now, like I said, uh, a person that had a stroke who, who, who was able to walk properly was just healed during uh, our, the time of our praise and worship. And the reason for that is because my spirit was brought over there to see that person. And that's why I said I could see that person was wearing uh, glasses. And that only happens when your spirit is very light and unburdened. But if you're still living in the world and you desire for the things of Babylon, then your spirit will be bound. And this happened for Paul as well. When Paul was in Ephesian, he, his spirit was, was able to see and visit the church of uh, Corinth and see what they were struggling with and how corrupted they have become. And it's because God, Paul had that relationship with God and his spirit was liberated and free enough for, for the Lord to take his spirit to that other location. And so many times, this, the Holy Spirit is very uncomfortable and very, uh, is a little um, angry with us because there's so many things that he wants to do through our spirits. But we limit his works. And it, is a, it was a huge gamble for, for the Lord to send His Spirit into us. And it, in His perspective, it was a huge gamble. Because His whole Spirit can be bound according to, to depending on the spiritual state of, of the person, of the host. But why did He do this? He did this because He loves us. So, do not 
do not continue to bring pain and suffering and sadness upon the Holy Spirit. That's a very wicked and foolish thing for you to do. You gotta liberate your spirit so that the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, will not, will not be limited in any way. That's how free the 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 the, the, prof, uh, the spirit of Isaiah was. He was able to prophesy the present, the future, and also he was able to go into uh, and see into the end times as well. I don't think there was any person in history that had a, had a, had a more liberated spirit than Isaiah. And Isaiah was one of the more uh, long-lasting prophets of God. He, he was active for around 60 years. And I'm not saying that the period of your activity is important, but it's because he was able to maintain this faith and, 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 and this uh, unburdened spirit that was able to ma minister for such a long time. And because of his long duration, he had to see a lot of things that he probably didn't want to see. The, 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 the rise and fall of Israel, the other nations attacking southern Judah, the attacks of Babylon, but in that time of tragedy, the Lord still held on to Isaiah and used him. It's because of his free spirit. And the reason for that was because he was able to transcend time and space with the, with the Lord. He was able to see his present, the future, and also see into the end times and new, and new heaven and new earth. So have desire, have yearning for this light spirit. And I pray this morning to, to release you guys from your spiritual bindings. And you have to do that in your, in, your, in your own time of prayer as well. You have to continue to release yourself that you become more and more free in the Lord. Who is, who is this for? It is for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit take, regards this very uh, uh, regards this very importantly. The, the state of our spirit that is he wants us to be completely free of any bindings or any burdens so yet you gotta be free what it, what it means to be free is to be completely in, under the control of the Holy Spirit so that we can follow his guidance we can follow the, the, the guidance of the, the message of God and we are not tied to uh, limited by our time and space Let's try to finish up to verse 17 this morning. So, verse 16. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So, so he says, this, this prophecy again says that in two or three years before the boy is fully mature, um, destruction is going to be brought to these two nations. So this is not a simple prophecy. Isaiah was able to prophesy transcending any time, any, uh, uh, the time, any time and space that he was limited to. 
It's because his spirit was so free that he was not limited in any way. So, you, you gotta have a desire for this. There's, no, there's, there's one reason why your spirit is bound. It's because of your un- disobedience. So on the other hand, if you start to be obedient towards the Lord, your spirit will become more and more free. So you have to get rid of the tendencies of disobedience within you. So that's why I always say, do not be lazy in the job, in the task of denying yourself and putting yourself to death. When you deny the strength of the old self, then this will become easier. And of course, it is the same for the spirit of religion and legalism. The more these spirits become stronger within you, the more the power of your flesh will become. So, without you knowing, you will become more and more bound. And the more you become bound, the more the Holy Spirit will be unpleased with with what you have become. And He will not be able to do anything with you. But the more you become unbound and become released, the more the Holy Spirit will be uh, able to, to, to work through you and be pleased with you. Verse 17. The Lord will... The Lord will you dread. Uh, the Lord will you dread be, will be laid waste. Uh, what, what, what am I saying? The Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. So, all will be all all will be uh, brought to waste. That is the price that they have to pay for their disobedience. And he's saying to Judah, if you live in this way, you will also be brought to, uh, to destruction as well. So we have been seeing from, seeing from verse 1 that the alliance that formed, is formed here is very powerful and very threatening. They have the power to, to bring waste to everything. And in our lives, it is it's like this. When we face failures, we think we, we, we are defeated because uh, the, the other side is too strong. For example, you may say, because I don't have money, I, was, I, I failed. And to, those people think that money holds a lot of power. And that's why, because they lack, lack that money, lack that power, they were defeated. But like I said before, this is, a, this is a matter with your relationship. This is an issue with your relationship with the Lord, not with money. If you have faith in God, then having or not having money is not a problem. It's not an issue for you. The reason why you're broken is because of the issue of faith and the issue of relationship. Not because of the, of the power of these foreign nations and their alliance. So when you're faced with failures or defeat, Many people receive that failure uh, uh, existentially. They say, I don't have money. It's because of this, because of that. It's because I'm too ignorant that I, have been, that I was mocked. They receive it personally in this way. But that's not the case. You cannot be deceived. It is, there's an issue between you and the Lord. It is an issue, there's an issue between your relationship. That is the reason for your failure and the reason for your defeat. For Ahaz as well, because fear has come into him, even though God is trying to pour his faith upon him, he cannot receive that faith anymore because of this fear. And people will still have uh, emotional wounds and, and spiritual bindings. 
you cannot receive much more uh, any any more than A has. And any other attack that comes to you, you receive personally because it seems like such a big issue for you because of your spiritual bindings and your emotional wounds. And when enemies come and attack me, of course I suffer, of course I am in pain, and it is difficult, but never once did I allow them to be victorious over me. I say, just wait, I'm going to pay you back a thousandfold. And this is a very important faith that you must have. In every situation, you cannot regard that, that your enemy, the other side, as something that you have to fear. That is faith. The only being that you have to fear is God. And also acknowledge that every issue that you face comes from your unresolved issues with the Lord. And what is the core of... And people who have this faith, no matter what they face, they will not acknowledge that failure, acknowledge that defeat as, as, as uh, the victory of the enemy. They do not acknowledge their power, acknowledge their authority. Because you cannot acknowledge it. Because their, end, it end, their ultimate end is uh, defeat. It's just right now God is using them. Uh, God is allowing this to happen to you for you to grow and mature. So do not acknowledge the, the victory of the enemy in any, in any way. You must have this faith. I'm not saying that the, the children of God never are, are face failures. Sometimes we, we, we stumble, sometimes we fall, sometimes we are afraid and sometimes we stumble. But you cannot acknowledge the enemy. And you have to always believe that in the end you will be victorious because God will bring you that victory. Now let's pray.